Well, as I was, uh, Pastor John, you know, is in Kenya, and so he asked me to, to preach for him today. And as, as, I, as I was getting ready this morning, my son, Avid, uh, I told him that Pastor John's in Kenya, and so I'm going to preach for him today. And he did a hard stop, and he said, wait, Dad, do you even know how to do that? <laughs> so we will see, all right? So we're talking about hope this morning, and hope is like batting practice to a preacher, okay? Because the Christian faith is built on hope. That's good news. So when we talk about hope, this is like air to us. This is, this is exactly what our God wants us to be talking about. He wants his people to be people full of hope. So we all came in here today with a story to tell. Maybe your story right now is, is going really good. Praise God. Maybe you're facing some difficulty right now. Maybe you're going through something really hard. Maybe you came in here today with some doubts about God, about church, about the Bible, about does God really love me? Is God really there? Well, you come to the right place. Our God wants us to be full of hope, and he wants you to leave here today full of hope. Maybe you came here today, uh, and you kind of feel like Seinfeld. He said his theory is 98% of all human endeavor is just killing time. Right? Maybe that's how you look at life. We're all just killing time. Maybe there's no hope in your life. It's just I'm just trying to make it. I'm just trying to get through. God wants you to leave here today as a person full of hope. Life can be hard. Maybe you're hanging on by a thread. Maybe you put your hope in a lesser thing than God. A job, a person, a raise, a promotion, some affirmation, a promise that was made to you that wasn't kept, and now it didn't come through, and you're struggling. Maybe, this, is, this will be a fun one, maybe you put your hope in a politician. You're not supposed to talk about that stuff in church. The truth is, when we put our hope in a lesser thing than God, we end up hopeless. Today, God wants you to leave full of hope. Later this month, we'll celebrate the life of a brother in Christ, a, a great patriot, Martin Luther King Jr., and he said, we must accept finite disappointment, but we will never lose infinite hope. Life will be hard in the here and now. We go through seasons that are temporarily difficult and challenging, heartbreaking. And a crowd this size, somebody came in here today in a heartbreaking circumstance. And so when we talk about hope, please understand, I'm not trying to be right, I'm trying to be helpful. Our God in heaven knows what you're going through today. He knows that pain. And there's nothing I'm going to say to make that go away, but what you can trust is that what we're going to see is that our God, like Soya said in the welcome, our God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. Will your pain magically disappear this morning no but you will have a place to go with it and someone to go through it with you so that hope that martin luther king jr 
talked about. That's what we're going to talk about. What, what was he getting at? What was he referring to? Romans chapter 15, this infinite hope. Romans chapter 15, we'll start in verse 8. We'll run through verse 13. Here we go. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given. In order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and I will sing your name. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Verse 11. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. That's a promise. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. Verse 13, here we go. May the God of hope fill you with all joy, all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in what? Hope. We see what Paul is doing here. Now remember, these Romans that he writes this letter to, they're in ancient Rome. I, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but ancient Rome wasn't one big Bible study, okay? They, they were into some rough stuff there. They were antagonistic to the gospel. They wanted you to worship anything and anyone other than the God of the Bible. And because of that, these folks that claim the name of Jesus as their source of hope they lost jobs, right? And in, in some instances, they lost their lives because Jesus was their hope. And so Paul writes them a letter, and here's what he does. He takes them back in history, and he turns their attention to the promises of God, and he says, folks, remember, I know you're going through something very, very difficult, but remember, the God that you serve, the God that you love, the God that we all come to worship together this morning, that God, he made promises a long time ago, and guess what? He's kept them. And he, he reminds them. You see, these were Gentile believers, and so he says, look at all these promises that were made about how God was going to bring you into the family, and he's done it. Guys, our hope rests on these realities, that our God is a promise maker, that he is a promise keeper, that though we temporarily go through difficult things, we have an eternal hope. And that's what we have to do today. If we're going to experience this hope, this good news, we'll have to do what Martin Luther King Jr. said. We'll have to accept the fact that finite things that are hard are going to happen, period. But we realize that they don't last forever. The old saying, this too shall pass, Right? This too shall pass. So on that foundation, and as we're going through this, I want you to reflect on your own life. How has God kept promises to you? You ever been in a situation where there was no way out but God? You ever been in a situation where you were so heartbroken, you were in such pain, that this peace that passed all understanding. It wasn't human words. It wasn't something that you heard. It was something that you couldn't put your finger on. You couldn't explain. And you felt comfort and you got through it. That foundation. 
Three things we notice in this passage. Number one, our God is a God of hope. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? But, but I think that it's worth clarifying because a lot of us come in here with different ideas about God. Some of you came in here today believing that God did, doesn't exist. Hey, I'm glad you're here. I have doubts too. One might, one could say that, you know, not on my best day, but I can be a little skeptical. Maybe you can too. But our God is a God of hope. The God of the Bible wants his people to be filled with hope. He's, think about all of the different ways that he could introduce himself to these Roman Christians that are going through immense pain. And he says, I'm a God of hope and I want to fill you with hope. I've made promises and though you can't see it, I'm keeping those promises in your life. One of my favorite um, Christian heroes is Corey Timboom. And anytime I'm kind of feeling down or I have doubts, I like to look back on history and look at Christians that have gone through very difficult circumstances. They've, they've gone through things that, uh, that I can't imagine. Corey um, lost a father and a sister in a Nazi concentration camp, almost lost her own life. Ultimately, God rescued her, and she, and she survived, and she, she said this, in order to realize the worth of the anchor, we need first to feel the stress of the storm. What she's saying is, life can be stormy, but it's because when life gets really difficult, that's when you really experience the hope of God, that he's the anchor of your soul. Does it surprise you to hear God described as a God of hope? For some people, it might be, yes, I thought God was a God of rules. I thought God was a God of religion. I thought God was a God of good works. I thought God was a God, and we fill in the blank. Maybe you thought it, it was that Charlton Heston kind of Jesus, you know? You're allowed to laugh. That's funny. When you stop and think about that, that's funny. Or maybe you thought it was like uh, life coach Jesus, just want you to experience your goals, man. Just, you can make it. You can do it. Or maybe, you know, it's just Jesus, hippie Jesus. He's pretty popular in our world today. Let's all put some sandals on. Let's sing. Let's calm down. Everybody relax. The reality is we need a God that's a lot tougher than that, don't we? We need a God that we can pull on as an anchor when life gets hard. Because life isn't easy. We don't need a coach. We need a savior. We need someone who says the one thing that regardless of culture, regardless of time and history, regardless of race, ethnicity, religious preference, sexual orientation, gender identity, the one thing that you're all going to struggle with is death. And the God of the Bible says, guess what? I bring hope because I've brought a solution to that one thing. I'm going to reveal myself in a resurrection. That's the God of hope. Hope sets him apart from other faiths. There isn't another religious system out there where the deity 
the object of worship says, you hope in me. I'll take care of it. I've got your back. We have a lot of religious traditions out there that say, try harder, be better, and you might make it. You might get in. I, I would say in America, we're in a post-Christian America in a lot of ways. And the common religion today is self. It's this neo-atheism. I trust me. God says, no, you can't trust yourself. We all know that. We've tried. It doesn't work out very well. The good news is our God is a God of hope. Like we said, hopelessness then occurs when we hope in lesser things and then we're disappointed. So are we allowed then as children of God, are we allowed to look forward to anything? Right? Are we allowed to be hopeful that we might get that job, that we might meet that one person that we're going to spend our life with, that we might be able to get that house? Of course. Remember, the God of the Bible is a father who likes to give good gifts to his children. But he says, I don't want you to anchor your soul in those things. You're only going to be disappointed if you do. And I think if, for those of us who can think critically and look back and reflect on our lives, if we're honest, we know that we don't make very good objects of hope. And that's why it's good news that the God of the Bible is a God of hope. Number two, hope is ours through believing. Hope is ours through believing. So like, like we said, God is a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. So what I want to do is just rapid fire some of my favorite promises in the scripture. Maybe one of these is your, fa your favorite verse. Maybe this will be brand new to you and you want to jot it down. But this is, these are promises that, that encourage my soul. First, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 10. Paul writes, He, being God, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. And then he makes this great declaration. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. God's going to do it. I've been there before where the doubts in life, because you've been through some experiences in your past, and you really wonder, is God going to come through for me? Can I trust him? Is he really going to be there? Or is this just wishful thinking? And God says, look, I've made promises to you, and I haven't broken one of them. And I know, maybe you've had an experience with someone, they made a promise to you and they didn't keep it. And you're, you're letting that color your perception of God. Today is the day to let go of that and give it to him. Because the God of the Bible, he, he's not a liar. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He keeps his promises. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Do you believe that today? It's either true or it's not, folks. God can either do far more than we can imagine or he can't. That's either true or it's not. There's not any gray area in that kind of a claim. 
This one's one of my favorites. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Why is that uh, an encouraging promise for me? Because it means that I don't have to hope in me. I don't have to hope in my ability to figure it all out. Did this in the first service, I'll do it again. Put my money where my mouth is. If anybody 20 years ago started a 20-year plan and hasn't had to make one change over that course of those 20 years, please stand up. All right. The reality is we are finite beings. We can't see the future. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to make choices that blow up in our face, aren't we? But praise God that it's not about our ability. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. We can trust him to figure it out. For some of you, this is going to be a great relief. Because your whole life is structured on your ability to have control and figure it out. I'm in that club too. Captain Overthink. God says, no, no, no. You weren't designed to carry that burden. Trust me. Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What good news. That moment in time when you gave your life to Jesus, God adopted you into his family, you became his kid. And no matter where you're at today, you're still his kid. I've got three kids, and when they mess up, It'll surprise you because I'm their dad, but they, they do mess up from time to time. But when they mess up, I don't tell them, pack a bag, you're on your own. They're my kid. So wherever you're at today, if you gave your life to Jesus, he adopted you. He started a work in your life, and he's not going to abandon that work. You can trust that. He's keeping that promise that he's working in your life. Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things work together for easy? No. But all things work together for good. I dare you to believe that. If you walked in here today a skeptic with some doubts, hanging on by a thread, you have nothing to lose. You can keep on, you know, with that jaded outlook on life. I've been in seasons like that. You have nothing to lose. But what if that still small voice that brought you here today, what if you went ahead and owned the fact that that is God calling you home? What if you said, all right, Lord, I'll give you my doubts, but just for a little while. I'm just going to try it out. But I'll give you my doubts and I'll obey you. I'll take the first step of faith and I'll obey you. What have you got to lose? You already know, you've proven to yourself, just like I have time and again, you don't make a very good anchor of hope. But what if today, what if today you gave your life to him? Number three, hope is a gift. The good news is, this is not a try harder call today. Thank God. This isn't a try harder, clean yourself up, be better, and then God will fill you with hope. Today and today only, if you just da 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 then you can be a person of hope. 
No. Praise God, that's not what's, what God says. Look, whose power is it that's doing this? May the God of hope fill you. Who does the filling? God. With all joy and peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, whose power is it that does this? What's our job? Believe. Believe. You say, well, Chris, I don't have a lot of belief in me today. Got a little bit, but not a lot. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Mark chapter 9, verse 24. Don't have time to get into the context, but it's a dad, and his child is sick. And he brings this child to Jesus, and in a moment of honesty, this dad cries out, I believe, but help my unbelief. Does Jesus shame him? No, he does a miracle and heals his kid. Does that describe you today? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Does that capture your heart and your mind today? You're in the right place. Sometimes you just have to take the little mustard seed. Matthew 17. The little mustard seed of faith that you do have. And you have to say, here you go, Lord. This is all I got. God can work with a mustard seed. But we got to do this. Got to give it to him. I'm going to invite the the worship team back up as we close. And I'll share a story with you. Missionaries uh, to the Indians in in Ecuador, in the jungle, the Elliots. So Jim Elliot and his wife, Elizabeth, they sell everything that they have. They move to Ecuador into the interior to share this hope with people that had never heard it. And all the people experience great revival and they're all saved. No. No, those very, those very people that they went to share hope with ended up taking Jim's life. And you would say, what a hopeless situation that is. You're trying everything. I mean, you're, you're a missionary in the jungle for crying out loud. I mean, how much more like willing and obedient can you get? And then this still happens. You still have something tragic take place in your life. Elizabeth comes back to the States and she writes a book. Opening line of the book says this. I am certain of one thing. God's story never ends in ashes. I don't know what you're going through today. But as we enter this time of, of response and invitation, I want you to be encouraged. The God of the Bible is working things out. It doesn't mean life is easy, but he's working things out. And he's got a plan for your life. Many times that plan does this, and especially when we're down here, it's easy to give up. But he says, don't. I've got it. I've got it. Hang on. Hang on. See, he's the God of hope. You say, well, Chris, how can I have this hope in my life? If you're not yet a Christian... This is your moment of invitation. Would you bow your heads with me, please? If you're not a Christian, 
God says, I want to adopt you into my family today. You say, well, how do I do that? You obey him one step at a time. And he says, do this. I want you to do what Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that I raised Jesus from the dead and you will be saved. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, pray with me. Father, I believe, I confess that Jesus is Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead. I know I don't make a good anchor for my soul. I need you. I confess that I need you. Adopt me into your family. Amen. If you're a brother or sister in Christ this morning, you say, man, I just wish I could have that hope again, Chris. Life is hard right now and I'm hanging on. God wants to take the pain. He wants to take that doubt. He wants to take you in and care for you, but a lot of us, myself included, we're not willing to let it go yet. We're not willing to turn loose and say, here you go, Lord. Here's my life. Here's all my fear. Here's all my doubt. Here's all my anger. Here's my past, my present, my future. Here it is. Folks, the God of the Bible, he's made a promise to you. He says, if you'll come, if you'll just lay it down, give it to me, I'll take it. As we sing, I want you to reflect on, on this, on this God of hope and how today he doesn't want you to get up and leave and go to lunch and, and that be the end of this. He wants you to leave full of hope. It's a gift that he offers.